Hey, welcome to the Thursday podcast. Today is a really important podcast. Um, I go through, in their own words, exactly what the left has planned through Soros funding, uh, a war game that was done on the left that will show you what is going to happen after the election and beginning just, uh, well, actually, they say beginning in this last September, and it is going on now, but it really will heat up on election week and could go all the way through January. Uh, I want you to know this because if you're prepared for what they're doing, you won't you won't be confused on on what's happening. You'll know that this is an orchestrated um, event, not any kind of spontaneous anything. And today's show, I recommend that you listen to it when you have time from start to finish. Uh, it is it is a really important couple of hours that I would urge you to share with your friends, share pieces of it, and all of it is available at glenbeck.com. It's free to download all of the original documents that I'm going to be talking about here. But I urge you to um, do your own homework. Don't believe what I say. Look at the original source. And you can do that now at glenbeck.com. And here's today's podcast. I yesterday was amazed at, at Comey. He didn't know absolutely anything. And the reports that we now have with their own handwriting on it shows that they knew that everything that happened uh, in the impeachment hearing was a setup. They knew it. They had all of the information. They knew Hillary Clinton was behind it. And yet, they put America through what they put America through. Why? Because the deep state is too powerful right now. And Donald Trump and anyone who's going into Congress or into uh, the Senate is disrupting all of that. It's not just the power. It is the obscene amounts of money. Have you noticed how rich all of these people are? How does that happen? You're going to serve and you leave a millionaire? How does a guy like Joe Biden spend 50 years as a public servant and live the lifestyle he has? How are his, all of his kids wealthy? Most people don't care about Hunter Biden. And quite honestly, I don't care about Hunter Biden either. What I do care about is we're possibly going to elect a president who is the most corrupt that we have ever seen what happened in china what happened in ukraine is sickening and if it's not ended we don't have a republic anymore senator ron johnson is with us now senator how are you sir i'm great glenn hope you are as well uh, I am. I'm just very, very concerned about our republic in this coming election uh, for what they have planned, because we've seen if you didn't believe in the deep state in 2016, I get it. But if you don't believe in it now, you're not paying attention at all. And uh, nobody seems to be interested in in uncovering any of this or actually doing anything about it, except for a small handful of people. And you're one of them. Well, what I've certainly discovered in our investigations, which literally date back to March of 2015, when my committee started 
investigating the Hillary Clinton email scandal. And you know, we're the ones that found the extensive editing of the James Comey exoneration memo. Yeah. Uh, but, but what I found is the deep state starts right below the surface and is pervasive throughout these agencies. So just below the political appointees, we have a deep state. These are, by and large, committed to Democrats, committed leftists, so that they support Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton. They do not support President Trump. And we've seen them undermine and sabotage this administration from day one. I mean, Glenn, it is remarkable that within two weeks you had two phone conversations from President Trump first to the Prime Minister of Australia and then to the President of Mexico leaked to the press. Right. You know, my, my own committee looked at uh, leaks 126 or 125 in the first 126 days, and 62, mm. 62 of those had to do with national security. And these were the leaks that spawned and fueled and kept going the false Russian narrative that then James, people like James Comey and Robert Mueller picked up the ball and they just kept pushing it uh, on the American public. And, and, and look at the turmoil this has put our, our political system in for the last you know, almost four years now. So that brings, brings us to a place Ron, where we we are looking at, um, let's say, Hunter Biden, we now know through Treasury receipts that uh, that he took three and a half million dollars from the wife of the Russian mayor or the uh, Moscow mayor, totally corrupt, took a transfer of funds for loan payments, which is code for money laundering. Uh, and shipped it directly to Hunter Biden. We know it. We have all of the wire transfers from the the Treasury Department. And yet the media and and uh, Joe Biden was allowed to say and never corrected. That's all been debunked. It's not true. Yeah, I, I get so sick of that term debunked. Uh, Glenn, I've said for a long time, the bias in the media is revealed far more by what they don't report versus what they actually, the very overt bias in what they do. And so what they, first of all, before our report came out, they were carrying the false allegations that Chuck Grassley and I were peddling Russian disinformation. Right. And we had literally hundreds of, hundreds of news stories peddling that false allegation. Since our report came out, you know, first of all, they stopped with that allegation largely because there's no Russian disinformation on our report but they just collectively shrugged our reports. Oh, there's nothing new here. Right. I mean, these rumors about Hunter Biden have been out there. That's true. And the mainstream media has never covered them. So once we put a little bit more meat on the bones, once we start giving them these, these, you know, start revealing these documents that, by the way, don't, they don't answer all the questions. We don't have access to all of Hunter Biden's financial transactions, but there's so much we did reveal. You know, the three and a half million dollar payment, there's another 391,000 that flowed from that widow in, into a company called BAKUSA that was also promoted by Andrew Cuomo. Then millions of dollars of transactions to and from Chinese nationals with connections to the Communist Party of China, as, as well as uh, former affiliations with the People's Liberation Army. These are troubling, troubling revelations. And again, the media just, oh, nothing, nothing new here, all debunked, no wrongdoing. The Senate report shows no wrongdoing. We reveal all kinds of potential wrongdoing and potential conflict of interest, counterintelligence and extortion risk and threat in a Biden administration. So we spent about a year looking at what was happening with Ukraine. 
and the civil society 2.0, the George Soros connections to um, getting in and wanting to change the Constitution, setting up, a, um, mm. a, you know, a, a, what would you even call it? An extra constitutional uh, law authority uh, and prosecution authority over in Ukraine. Um, all coordinated with the Obama administration, all of this stuff that is going on. And now we are looking at the same kind of things happening here in our own state. And, and, and I look at I look at the, you know, transition integrity project. That is a a well coordinated uh, uh, plan to overthrow a an election if the popular vote goes the way of Biden, are you? Are, and of course, we, go ahead. I say we was a complete corruption of the transition process last time. Right. You know, we're we're, we're going to have our report. And one of the things I've been pointing out as we try to do this, this oversight work again, looking at the deep state, it's impo- It's almost impossible to get documents, and you need documents in order to do decent interviews. And but one of the things I've been doing in most recent TV hits is I show one email that we got from the General Service Administration in our transition uh, investigation. We get the exact same email from the FBI production. What's notable is from the GSA, we can read the whole email. The FBI, it's completely redacted. It's almost 100 percent redacted. And this is after the FBI. I got so frustrated. I subpoenaed their records. They're, they have just we've just ex- had expired the second extension and we still haven't basically got squat. Gina Haspel has not provided us any information. And, the, and one of the main reasons the, the hearing with Comey was was pretty successful yesterday is the day before we finally did get from uh, DNI Radcliffe an email talking about the fact that Russia had information that Hillary Clinton had signed off on a, a plan to stir up a scandal against uh, presidential candidate Trump tying him to Putin in Russia, and that Brennan actually briefed Obama on this, claiming that Hillary Clinton si- signed off on this on July 26 of 2016, and then that was referred by the intelligence community to the FBI for investigation to Comey and to Strzok, and Comey goes, I don't remember that at all. So, so they, they start an investigation on Trump based on George Papadopoulos having some bar talk in London and so this whole thing spins into a investigation, into a special counsel, eventually into impeachment. But James Comey doesn't remember when Hillary, Hillary Clinton actually bought and paid for the Steele dossier, which had Russian disinformation. And now we have allegations that she was actually approving a plan to spin up the scandal. I mean, this, this is mind-boggling stuff. And when you put that piece of the puzzle into our timelines, we, you, by the way, you do a great job with timelines. We've learned from you. Thank you. Same thing. We put we put that piece of puzzle into our timeline. It's pretty interesting. So if she signs off on this on January on July 26. Well, that's the exact same day the for- friendly foreign government delivered this information on Papadopoulos to the U.S. Embassy in London. Two days later, that information is, is relayed to uh, the counterintelligence division at FBI headquarters here in D.C. Three days later, they, they set up Crossfire Hurricane. Now we're also starting to see that Robbie Mook, a month before, made his only visit to the White House. Again, these are just pieces of the puzzle. There's no absolute proof, but it raises so many serious questions that once again, the mainstream media is completely ignoring. You know, you know 
I'm a conspiracy theorist. I'm peddling Russian information. I'm a kook. You're a kook. We're all kooks. No, this is serious information. And when President Trump said there was an attempted coup against his administration, that's exactly what this was. That's what's so frightening about this. And the American people don't know the truth because the mainstream media is not reporting on it. Um, Senator, I have to tell you, I didn't believe I was very uncomfortable with the talk of a deep state coming from Donald Trump. I actually thought that there was a good chance that all this was true um, about Russia uh, and Donald Trump's connections. And I told my staff, I want you to overturn every stone and we are going to go where the truth leads us. If that means we go against everybody on the right because donald trump was dirty we do it if he's clean we do it there there was no one that was more skeptical of donald trump at the beginning than i was i was probably his biggest adversary what he said was absolutely true what was what he said was going on this there has not been a peaceful transition of power since george bush that is just a fact. These people have worked, conspired, and tried to thwart and overthrow him every day he has been in office, and it started before he got into office. If we don't clean this up, we don't have a republic. No, Glenn, you're exactly right, and this should be outrageous and shocking to the American public, but they just shrug it off. And again, when, when, the, when they asked the vice president in, in the debates, uh, about whether or not he would support packing the courts. Right. Whether he'd support the Senate getting rid of the filibuster and turning the Senate in the, in the House. Uh, he's, he's not pressed to actually answer the question, which is, uh, it's got to drive Trump nuts. Yeah. And, and by the way, th- th- this is their, their game plan. This is how they operate. Exactly what they did against President Trump. They, they spun up this, in, this entire false narrative about Russia collusion is a diversionary operation. This is what I've always believed against yep. their misdeeds in yep. the FBI. Okay. And it, it's worked phenomenally well. Yep. They did the same thing against me. They, they, they literally created an intelligence product accusing Chuck Grassley and myself of peddling Russian disinformation, receiving it from this Andre Durkash. We didn't. It's completely false. They leaked that to the press, and that's where you get 100 news stories accusing us of peddling Russian dis- disinformation. It's all completely false, but they got away with it with President Trump, they're going to try it time and time and time again. Senator, I, I know you are really busy. I have to break for one minute for a network break. Could I ask you to just to hold for one minute and, and then come back? Sure. Or do you have to run? No, I'm happy to stay. Okay, all right. We're with Senator Ron Johnson. Uh, you are the committee chairperson for the um, uh, Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs uh, Committee. So I want to ask you this question. Today, uh, last night I... Well, for the last three weeks, I've been doing a special, a series on um, the color revolutions and the the way the left is using that right now to have a revolution, I believe, in our country, a coup. And I've been I'm today on radio. I am going through the um, preventing a disrupted presidential election and transition from the Transition Integrity Project. This is so well planned, so well coordinated. Um, they uh, they are already talking about going to certain members in the National Guard. Uh, they have already if you watch the media, if you read this and watch the media, it's all in line. This is a coordinated coup. 
and a coordinated way to change America fundamentally. Is anyone aware of this and planning for a government response? I would say probably not. Oh, jeez. Um, Good God. No, I mean, it, it, I mean, look, look at look at look at how lonely Chuck Grassley and I are in terms of our own investigations. We have people of our own side saying this is not appropriate use of, of committee funds to uh, investigate these types of things. Um, so, so, no, I mean, pe- people have their heads so far. And I'll say in the sand here in Washington, D.C. in terms of what's happening. And the left is extremely effective at this. You know, they're, they're blaming all this on white supremacists. Even though we know that all these riots, these, you know, the, the 10,000 yeah. demonstrations have turned to, into, it's got to be now over 600 riots in the streets. Those riots aren't being run by conservatives. Those are being run by Biden supporters, by Black Lives Matter, by Antifa. And yet the mainstream media, by and large, suppresses that. You know, they, they don't show the full destruction. In Kenosha, Wisconsin, I still don't have a tally of how many businesses were burned what the economic destruction was, destruction was as all the downtown had to board themselves up. It's just, you know, it's, it's the drive-by media. And that is the problem. That's what conservatives have always had is a hurdle in terms of our ability to get the truth out to the American public. When the mainstream media turns a blind eye to it, it's like it doesn't even exist. Senator. Now, I am highly concerned about this. And one last point, because people are saying, because John Durham is not, doesn't look like he's going to report. Because, oh, he might be too, politic- too politicizing the election. Dear God Almighty. The, the, the politicization would be if, if the American people don't learn what happened. That's the politicization of, the, of this election. Senator, I have been warning of these times for a long time. And um, if, if you indeed did get anything from the Ukraine special, I am very grateful that our, our team could serve. Um, but the last three S specials that I did, we will send them to your office. You, you need to see them. And even if you can't get anything done in Congress, you, we, somebody needs to speak to the American people with authority on this because we are facing a, a revolution and a coup. And it begins in about four weeks. And they are so well buttoned up. Um, I thank you, Senator. I really do. I thank you for everything. God bless you. Thank you, Senator Ron Johnson. Pray for our country. More in just a second. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Matthew Peterson is the vice president of education at the Claremont uh, Institute. And... uh, and also the founding editor of AmericanMind.org and Claremont.org is where you can find him. Um, Matthew, I, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on today and uh, being so far ahead of, of this particular topic. We are in real trouble. Is that an accurate statement? Yes, absolutely. I can't thank you enough for being one of the few people willing to uh, talk about this in the, the last month. We are in real trouble, and what's uh, disturbing is everyone knows it. Everyone can see uh, what's going to happen, and they'll describe it in different ways, but we know that there is a very high probability that this election is not decided on election day. That's by design, changes in uh, voting procedures uh, by the Democratic Party, an enormous push midstream to change the rules and regs. And we know uh, what's going to happen after when Trump and others um, on the Republican side decide to fight it 
And I, you know, I just heard on NPR this morning, they're already talking about, you know, what will Facebook do? What will Twitter do when they cut off the president's communication? So this is a, a constitutional crisis by design, and it's, uh, it's already uh, underway. So, Matthew, I, I talked to Senator Ron Johnson this morning about this, and I said, uh, what is the American government doing? And and what is what are the what is the GOP doing? There's no one wargaming. They have been wargaming. And in their own words, they say that everything we've seen on the streets has just been dry runs to prepare them for what's coming at the election. We're not. I mean, we don't survive as a republic if there's not a, a another side. Yeah, and what we're seeing is the consequence of of really years of uh, mismanagement and uh, you know head in the clouds uh, for the GOP. What strikes me is that it, 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 over and over again, it, the debates, everything that's happened in the last few weeks, you see besides Trump fighting for himself. There's just not a lot of there's not a hell of a lot there. There's not the infrastructure. So as we said in this uh, in this editorial, you know, where's the rights, George Soros? Where's the rights transition integrity project? Now, there's lots that the government should be doing, including, uh, you know, prosecuting uh, these groups that are committing acts of violence. But I I will say, I mean, it's hard for anyone in the federal government to kind of put together a plan that's that's flexible and broad enough. I mean, this is really a an election, uh, an election type thing, right? This is really what the campaign strategist should be doing. This is what your fusion GPS, if you have one, should be working on. But here's the problem, Glenn. We don't have one. We don't have our own uh, groups and infrastructure outside of the federal government working on these problems. And if we don't start, if we, if we don't start to create that infrastructure, uh, we're not only going to lose in November, we're going to lose forevermore. And that, I think, is the main problem. So what we need is uh, elites who are, you know, actually people in power on the right to come together and start to work on this. Okay. Because we, we, we don't have the infrastructure. So let me ask ask you this though there's that's talking down the the road if if this happens here you've seen you've read the report the the executive summary spells it all out even if there's a clear trump win Mm -hmm. they are trying to change the the whole makeup of our system and if they do win it all changes. We will never see uh, the republic as we know it ever again. And that's not hyperbole, I believe. Uh, so what does the average person do? How do, how do we react to this when it begins? Well, the first, the first thing is we need to be aware of what's going on, and we need to be talking about it, and we need to be calling it out. So, so that, I think, is, is part of the effort that you know, you're thankfully engaged in now, is, is telling people, look, they're, they're not hiding what they're about to do, and you're not going to hear this from the mainstream press, but it's clear. It's out in the open. Like, the secret really is out in the open. You just need to interpret it the right way. But you know, I, I don't see any way around uh, us. We need leaders. We need people who are going to stand up and start uh, organizing uh, for for activist type uh, yes. behavior, and we, we we need activism badly, right? There. If, if, so I was thinking this this morning on the way in. Look, if we called a meeting of all the groups like the left did, all their activist groups, and said, "Okay, we're all going to go protest in the streets." I mean, what would that list look like? 
right? Who would be on it? Now, we would have a list of some groups, right? Yes. But it would be nothing like what they Correct. have. It's thousands, Correct. You know, thousands, tens of thousands of union members, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I don't see any way around uh, people organizing for a kind of peaceful activism uh, there's no way around. We have to do that. We're going to have to create activist groups that, that organize people and that make our presence and our voice known. And we're going to need leaders for that. But, but leaders are made in situations like this where average people stand up and start to figure out ways to strike back. And, you know, we're also going to need uh, some of our uh, political figures beyond Trump uh, to to start talking about this more explicitly, and if they don't, uh, you know we're in trouble. And and this is a time for those in the Republican Party. I know a lot of those moderates are scared right now because they see the purge that's coming if if Biden wins. Uh, but we're going to have to have some courageous people stand up, and and I think a lot of folks will rally to them if they start saying the words. When you say we have to be able to strike back, how do you mean that? Well, I mean that I, I don't see a, a way around uh, making a presence in the streets known, having peaceful protests that counteract the protests of the left. Uh, I, I really, I, I would like to say, you know, something else, something more, you know, intellectual. But, but no, we need, we're going to need to be in the streets in some way, uh, making our presence known. And then also, we're but you don't, need but to- you, you don't mean with violence. No, I mean, I mean, peace, actual peaceful protest. Yeah, you, you, you're, you it was something modeled after Martin Luther King. Exactly, Got exactly, okay. and, and and I think that that would, um, you know, just just imagine the imagery, right? I mean, you saw this oh, a little bit happen with the statues. So some of my my friends in, in Ventura, California, went and defended a statue of, of Saint Sarah. And, you know, they, they at least prevented the mob from ripping it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the city and cowardly officials got rid of it anyway, but, but they prevented it. And what you saw was, you know, families uh, and a lot of young men standing around the statue, and it was very peaceful, and just their mere presence was enough. To, and when you saw the, the video of it, you could see the juxtaposition of them standing there peacefully and then other people yelling and screaming. That's ultimately what's going to be needed, and that's hard because, look, on the right, as we as we know, people are busy. They have a life. They have jobs. <clears throat> They're not paid to go out and do this. But I don't see a way around that. And, of course, there's more than, than just peaceful protesting in the streets. There's also the, the way you can organize online. And I think that we could, um, in our own way, make it hurt for the other side when they do things that we think are unacceptable. In, in what way? How do you mean? Well, I think that we're going to need a um, a kind of uh, a kind of boycott uh, movement. Not it's hard to go after big corporations, but to to swarm and make our displeasure known when someone uh, says something or does something that we think is reprehensible. Uh, again, this is not not something we are used to doing. We don't want to act like the left and cancel people, but we do, on the other hand, need to uh, have a public voice. And an example of that would be, for instance, uh, you had Michael Anton on, my friend and colleague from Claremont. Right. Uh, when people issue really veiled death threats against him on Twitter, mm-hmm. that means we raise a ruckus and we keep some pressure on various people who've made those statements. We don't forget about it. We don't let it go. Uh, but we we try to strike back in our way. 
Now, it, it, look, we, we can't just, we're not going to just do what the left does as a mirror image, right? Our, our protests would be, in fact, peaceful, but there are ways to do this. And if we don't start figuring it out, uh, we're in trouble. And like I say, it's hard because we don't have the, the infrastructure. We don't have the billionaires funding activist organizations, and we don't have the billionaires getting all the smart people in a room to, to game out right, the war game of, of what's going to happen and what, you know, how we could move chess pieces on the table, how we could possibly counteract this. These people with, and, and that's what's damning. The, the, the people with money on the right are, dis, are really shameful, shameful. Uh, they will be held responsible at some point in the afterlife, I think, for not doing everything they could to protect man's freedom. Uh, I cannot believe the way the billionaires uh, on the right uh, really rarely get involved in anything. Uh, it's it's tragically sad. Uh, we're talking to Matthew Peterson, the founding editor of the American Mind, VP of Education in the uh, Claremont Institute. This really, the one way that the right can organize quickly is if it was led by pastors and churches, because they already will be able to say peaceful and their their congregations will understand that and they will follow those uh, those um, uh, pastors and they'll follow them into hell if if the pastors have the spine to do it. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a very important point, and I, I think that uh, people of faith uh, need to realize that this is not a drill. You know, this is this is not uh, this is not an exercise game. Um, the, the violent you know, brown shirts that have been marshaled uh, mm-hmm. for the sake of political power by the left. I mean, it's only a matter of time. We already see churches. Uh, you know, being uh, burned down, no one seems to be investigating or very interested in that. Uh, why are these? Why are people lighting churches on fire? Uh, we see this in, in at the margins, uh, but it's only going to get worse. And you know, it it really is ridiculous at this point. We know where this goes, yeah. and so if if the churches do not step up now. Uh, if they don't start to protest now to to uh, to counteract what's what's happening, then we're going to be in a world of trouble very soon. And we know where it goes. I this know. Is, it's just like watching a, a train, right? A train wreck in slow motion, as everyone's been saying. Everybody, we knows. can see this. Everybody, and so knows. we 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 need people with the bravery. And what I would say is, if you stand up. I know so many examples of people in their job, uh, you know, in their church. If you stand up and start saying some of this, you would be surprised at how many people will rally to you. I mean, yes. obviously, it'd be prudent. We don't want people to, you know, just lose their job for uh, for yeah, yeah. the sake of nothing. But but I, there are many examples where you would be surprised if you're listening out there at how many people agree with you. And in fact, you know, a lot of these people agree with you, but they're scared. So what what you need is, you know, uh, there's this ancient Greek uh, analogy, uh, and, and it comes from Homer. Everyone's in a retreat. Everyone's in a retreat in the Trojan War. And uh, Odysseus stops one of the guys who's leading the retreat, and he, he whacks them uh, with a stick and says, hey, we're going to stand our ground. And once they stand their ground, all of a sudden, everyone else starts standing around them. That's the way, the reverse of the mob mentality. That's how you stop mm-hmm. this. You need people standing up and people will rally around you. But if the churches don't do that soon, 
uh, you know, I mean, government already has incredible amount of power over over worship. They don't care about religious liberty at all, and they're going to say you're all hate groups anyway. Uh, we're talking to Matthew Peterson, founding editor of American Mind, VP of Education at the Claremont uh, Institute. I have one more question, but I, I I need to take a one minute network break. Could you hold just a sec, Doc? Absolutely. All right. So, talking to Doctor Matthew Peterson. Um, you mentioned you heard something on NPR. I heard the same thing, and I actually pulled it for the show today. Let me play it again, please. This is the audio from NPR today. But this time, as Facebook's chief operating officer, Sheryl Sandberg, told All Things Considered this week, you know, these companies are concerned about what happens not just before the election, but also after November 3rd. Both Twitter and Facebook say they're now going to be cracking down on posts that say, for example, voting by mail is somehow fraudulent, posts that advocate violence to disrupt the transfer of power, or premature claims of victory. And they'll do that by either labeling or removing. We should say that some of these kinds of messages um, and spreading doubts have come from none other than the president of the United States himself. I mean, does, does that fact complicate things for these companies and what they can do? Well, you're right. We, we heard this again from President Trump this week at the debate. He suggested he might not accept the results of this election. You know, in the case of Facebook, this company has come around pretty reluctantly to the idea that they might have to somehow moderate what the president says. That's a remarkable piece of audio, especially if you read any of the stuff that we've been telling you. I'm posting today at glenbeck.com. You can get it now. Uh, the the Transition Integrity Project, what they're saying they're going to do and already are doing. They're already in the press. But in their own, in their own words and in their documents, they talk about the... Um, that they have to find a way to silence any voice that can rally people. Uh, and they talk about first going to those people and asking for their better angels. Well, I haven't had a phone call from anybody on the, uh, the uh, Transition Integrity Project. Uh, I don't think Ben Shapiro has. I don't think uh, Steven Crowder has. Can you, can you give me your opinion on the silencing of voices? I'm lucky because I have radio. But silencing of voices online by just shutting down our pipes. We'll still be online, but no one will see us in social media. Do you believe that's going to happen after election? Yeah, I think we know. I mean, let's believe what they're telling us, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the big tech companies are have been nervous since 2016. They were blamed uh, obviously for Trump's win, and they've had powerful forces in America going after them uh, every day for four years ever since. Remember, the Internet was great and wonderful uh, when Obama was president, and then when it blew up in their face when Trump won, all of a sudden digital technology is terrible, and they came down on these companies. And sadly, of course, uh, a lot of these companies broke. A lot of them didn't need much pressure to turn to the left. And so we, we will see how far they go. I would say a, a silver lining here is NPR is running this story because they're still trying to put pressure on uh, Facebook, right? I mean, the reason they're running this story is, is also to put the tech companies on notice to keep constant pressure on them mm. uh, to, to, to do what they want them to do. Mm. And, uh, and so that's, uh, that's notable. It's not as if um, the tech companies are all one thing, but they certainly are not on our side. They certainly yeah. know what they're supposed to do and say. And unlike the right, the left maintains pressure on them. Yeah. And we haven't done that. To the extent we started talking about it, it led to great results. But again, we, we need leaders who are willing to stand up to them. Thank you very much, Dr. Matthew Peterson. Na, na, na.